This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Wednesday, April 27th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Chris Hummer. We're just a day out from the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. With that in mind, we'll be joined by North Carolina Offensive Coordinator Phil Longo, who has the interesting distinction of having coached two of the top QBs in this draft class. North Carolina Sam Howe and Ole Mrs. Matt Corral. Longo coached Howe the last three years at the Tar Heels, but also recruited Corral to Ole Miss and coached him during his first year on campus. We'll talk to Coach Longo about recruiting those two QBs, what he looks for in high school prospects, and also how each of them project to the next level. I think it'll be a fun lesson for fans who are interested in QB development. Let's get started. So coach, most coaches are lucky to work with one highly drafted quarterback in their career. You're going to end up working with two, Matt Corral and Sam Howe, in the same draft cycle in the NFL. How would you describe that being only a couple of days out from the draft and kind of your recollections of those two guys? You, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so much more interested in this one, obviously, for, for that reason. It's a lot of fun to root for. I tell, I tell our guys, you know, you spend so much time with these quarterbacks when you're coaching them. And when, you know, you, you spend so many hours in the office and watching film and preparing for opponents. And I like to get to a point where the, the quarterbacks know the offense so well that we can get together and collaborate as opposed to me just dictating what we need and what we want at the position. You know, and, and I think it always lets me know how well they know the system when they can start having feedback and input with regards to the game plan and things we do. They like having a stake in what we do. And if, if they know it that well, then I start trusting, you know, some of the input that they do have. And so that stuff all takes time, I guess is the point I'm making. And um, when you spend that much time together with an individual, and I tend to meet with my quarterbacks one-on-one as opposed to in a group setting all the time. And I think that helps develop them better because you've got, like right now in my room at North Carolina, I've got a guy that's been here two years. I've got a guy that's been here a year. I got a brand new guy, you know, and, and to talk to the brand new guy about all of the fundamental things that you need to do, I'm boring the veteran. And I don't want to necessarily share and talk about all the progressive stuff that I will with the veteran. And the freshman's not even, he's not ready for day 101, right? So I like to meet with them individually when we're doing that stuff. When you meet that much one-on-one and you spend that much time together, you develop a relationship. And so, I mean, I'm proud to say I just got invited to my my ninth and my 10th quarterback weddings this, you know, this spring. And so I'm going to be able to attend one and I can't attend the other one because we have camp. But I, and I, and I always say that because I'm proud about that because it means the relationships that we have are starting to extend well beyond just football. And I have a very good relationship with Matt Corral and I have a really good relationship with Sam Howell. So I, I become fans of these kids, of these guys, of these men now that are are going on to pursue professional football. And I can't wait to watch both of them get drafted. And I think two teams are, are going to be very, very fortunate to get these two guys. I want to start with your current quarterback, Sam. You arrived at UNC just, I think, maybe a week out from the early signing period, right, is when you were hired at UNC? I had 12 days to try and go get Sam, yeah. Yeah, so what do you what do you remember about that time and about Sam? 
who was a Florida State commit at the time and that pursuit and really what you saw in him to make you think he was the quarterback y'all needed at North Carolina in that cycle? So, you know, I started recruiting Sam Howell at Ole Miss. And, you know, I used to fly out to Charlotte and, you know, I'd go see Luke Doty and I'd go see uh, Sam Howell. Those are the two kids while during my tenure at Ole Miss that I would fly out and, and visit and recruit. I, lo- I thought Sam was one of the top three kids coming out of high school that year, in my opinion. I like quick trigger quarterbacks. I like short arm action quarterbacks. I like guys that are incredibly accurate. And Sam was all of those things in high school. Height has never bothered me with quarterbacks to a, to a point. Certainly not Sam's. Uh, I guess if you're five seven, five eight, I've got issues there. But there are plenty of good six foot, six one, six two quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and um, some of the best are are in that range. Drew Brees being one of them, who just retired, you know, not not but a year or two ago, and one of the best I think that's played the game at that height. So you know, and you got Russell Wilson, those those type of guys. It wasn't until Ducal walked me out to the parking lot after my visit to the high school. And he just said, listen, we, we love the offense. We have a really good relationship with you, but we're not going to fly my son over 15 offers to land in Oxford where there's a two-year bowl ban and there's scholarship productions. And, and, and I, that's not the bad mouth Ole Miss. That just happened to be the, the factual scenario at the time. And that's what I was doing with recruiting. And it didn't appeal to them. And so I, I always remember thinking to myself, man, I really love this one. You know, I, I wish we had a, a better product at the time to, to present them. So to, to land in, in uh, North Carolina and now put on maybe the most appealing colors to Sam because he was a fan of North Carolina growing up. He was also a fan of Florida State growing up. So it made it a lot easier to get involved with Sam Howell the second time around, you know, now being at the premier university in his home state. So that was fun. And, and it gave me a little bit more ammo the second time around. You mentioned a couple of the traits right off the top while dismissing height. I'm always interested in um, what coaches see in certain positions that make them makes a prospect appealing to them. Even back then, what were some of the traits about Sam that you really thought clicked and made you think like this could be a dude down the line? So, you know, I, I referred to a few of them already. I, I love short arm action, quick trigger quarterbacks. And then, of course, none of that means anything if they're not accurate. So for me, I, you know, I've, I've always felt like uh, arm strength. It's kind of a prerequisite. You know, it's like you can't take trigonometry without learning how to add and subtract. And, you know, you know there's got to be some some fundamental things that you you have to have. Uh, there are a lot of great quarterbacks out there that are accurate and that are smart and that work hard. And, but they just don't have the at least the minimum arm strength, in my opinion, to be able to succeed at, at this level. And so I, I think initially we try to rule out a lot of quarterbacks um, that just don't have the at least the necessary arm strength. Of course, the stronger their arm is, the better, but uh, they've got to at least be able to make all the throws in, in an X amount of time just, just to have the ability to compete at this level. Once they have that, then you know you, we, I try to take a long look at how accurate they are because at the end of the day, that's really why you're recruiting them. You're recruiting them so they can throw accurate footballs. And that sounds like you're oversimplifying it. What what things would we utilize to rule a kid out? I think, you know, if you have a guy that's a really bad student, you have a guy that's a, a bad character kid, discipline issue kid, you know, a guy that doesn't do a good job leading, guy that is a, a lot more involved and focused in on himself than he is with the team or the success of the team, or or you have a guy that can't prepare I think those are the things that would would probably cause us to rule out a guy. So the prerequisite is arm strength, just because you at least got to be in the ballpark there. After that, I, you know, I want a guy that's uh, incredibly accurate, 
um, which is harder to find than you think sometimes. And that I'm not going to have to teach from a fundamental standpoint. You know, it takes so long. If a guy's got a really low arm slot or he's a sidearm or he's, uh, he's just got terrible feet and he's laid on everything. I, I think at this point, at this level, I don't know that you always have to roll the dice and gamble with a guy. I mean, in, the, in this new Porter world, Portal world, I don't know if uh, you're going to be able to keep guys long enough to develop them and progress through with the amount of time it takes to correct some of those things. So you're looking for not a finished product, but you're looking for a more polished product. And at North Carolina, you can afford to you know, you can afford to pursue those guys because we, we've got a really good product here. So we, we get to go and recruit the elite guys. So we rule them out. I, I want a good character guy who's a leader. I want a guy who's incredibly accurate. And obviously he's got to have a strong enough arm. And I think that alone, just those parameters make it really, really hard to find great quarterbacks. You mentioned you want somewhat, not a finished product, but close to a finished product, actually somebody that displays the potential to compete on that level. And Matt Corral at the time, I believe might've been the highest rated quarterback signee in Ole Miss history when you helped land him. And he's, he's fantastic, but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. When you think back on that recruitment, he had, he had a kind of an interesting one, if I remember correctly. What did you see in him? And you mentioned some of those traits you really liked earlier in Sam. Did Matt have a lot of those as well? So Sam and Matt personality-wise really couldn't be more opposite in terms of uh, you know their personality socially and and, and with, with how they are. I think uh, Matt's a lot more demonstrative. Matt's very fiery. Matt's very vocal. Matt um, wears all his emotion on his on his sleeve. Matt is uh, that's that's just him. That that he's he's energy all the time. He's 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 uh, activity and emotion driven all the time. And Sam is on the other other end of it. He's he's super calm. He's much quieter. Demeanor-wise, I've always said you could never tell if he's up 20 or down 20 by the way he carries himself because you would never know. Um, and I don't think one is better than the other. I think what the two of them are works for them. You know, and uh, I, I've seen Matt Corral take the field before ever making a, a play, and he's got the entire crowd rolling. You know, he's got them all fired up just because that that's how he is. And then, you know, with regards to preparation, I think they've both done. You know, they both prepare. Both of them are extremely gutty. Both of them are mentally tough. Uh, both of them will run the football when they have to. Both of them probably lay their body on the line more than I'd care to admit for either one of them. And and both of them are ultra, ultra competitive. Uh, I think where it, where it differs is just, just the personality. And that just happens to be who they are from, a, you know, from an individual standpoint. We'll hear more from Phil Longo when we come back. You have a pretty rigorous, I think we've talked about this before, you have a pretty rigorous development track for quarterbacks. You mentioned before we hopped on that you talked to each one of your quarterbacks. And Well, I'm sorry, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that you talked to each one of your quarterbacks individually because you have a different message for all of them. And then I believe after Sam's freshman year, he was so far advanced that you were watching NFL tape and breaking down NFL tape with him at a time you would normally do that with upperclassmen. I'm just wondering, are there traits that you see on the board and in the film room with these two guys or just in general that you project as NFL traits in terms of the ability to read a defense, analyze things and things of the like? You know, I think it's hard. Like if you're looking at a high school kid to think that uh, you could be an expert on whether or not these guys are ever going to be professional quarterbacks or not. Oh, I meant, uh, I meant once you have them in your room, like once you're... No, no question. You know, you recruit them out of high school because you think you can... Uh, they can come and elevate your program at the college level. And so if they translate, if they're able to translate from the high school game to the speed of the college game and they can prepare and excel throwing the football at this level, you know, then it, it, it you know, it, it, uh, it begs the question, maybe, maybe you can develop them to a point 
or they can develop themselves to a point where they, they are going to be in a position where Matt and Sam are right now. And, you know, I, I, I said this earlier too, I think you can have really good talented players at any position. And if you're not doing a good job coaching, um, you may not get the most out of them. You know, players make coaches more than coaches make players, but I think a bad coach can screw things up. And so, I, like I told you, I just, I try not to be one of those guys. I want to make sure that if we have a guy that's ultra talented, I'm doing a good job to prepare him. Sam was so elite uh, mentally with regards to his preparation. We got a lot further down the line with regards to his learning curve the first season than I had ever gotten with another freshman before. And so heading into his sophomore year, it felt almost like we're heading into his junior year from a a mental preparation and a knowledge of the game standpoint. So we were able to start watching NFL films, studying NFL defenses. Um, They're different, sometimes more elaborate, sometimes simpler, but they were just different. They posed different problems. So it was just another avenue, another venue to utilize to help challenge Sam from a mental standpoint. And we would try to call and run our offense against all the NFL defenses. I'm sure you've had dozens of conversations with NFL scouts, coaches, GMs in the last couple months about Sam, <coughs> probably even a little bit about Matt. I'm wondering when you think about Sam and you're talking to these guys, what's the story you tell them that really represents how you feel about Sam Howell? You know, there's, there's not any one individual story. I you know, it, it depends on like, what do you want to know about Sam? Like if you, if you really want to know what kind of arm talent, you should just watch his throw tape. I mean, he's made every throw on and off platform for three straight years. And, and, and uh, I use the word elite all the time, but he is, he's an elite passer. He's got great arm strength and he's super, super accurate. But if you're asking me about Sam from a preparation standpoint, you know, it's, it's different. Then I, I would, I would tell you about the fact that he lived in this building, was probably here outside of class every minute of his, you know, of his college career. And he's constantly watching film. And if I'm not available, he's hitting up the DC, you know, or he's hitting up the, the GA or he's talking to somebody else. And when there's no coaches around, he's grabbing receivers and, and whatnot. And they're in the offensive staff room and he's teaching. Them. And so that to me, and when, when kids do that, when they're obsessed with the game of football, when you have a quarterback that's obsessed with the game like he was, you know, you get a guy that's really top shelf with regards to preparation and, and knowledge of the game. You know, and then if you're just asking about Sam from a character standpoint, I mean, he's unflappable. You know, he's not uh, – you're not going to rattle him. You're not going to rattle him. And I, and I think he – like I said earlier, he's just like this with everything. You know, and uh, interestingly enough, my favorite story about Sam is uh, – Wake Forest game this past season, we fall behind by 18 points. And uh, the year before, we had fallen behind by 21. I think we wound up winning that game by 14. So here we are again this year uh, against Wake Forest. We fall behind by 18 points. And he just looks over and winks at me and says, hey, here we go again. He proceeds to put 30-something points on the board, you know, and and we win the game. I'm going to guess it was 58 or 59 and 53, you know, and, and – uh, that's just the kind of confidence he has. And truthfully, that's probably the most demonstrative thing he's ever done. I saw him give a fist bump one time, and, and, and I enjoyed that because you don't see that out of him much. So to see him get a little fired up was pretty cool. you know. But to get a wink from him on the sideline and him to make a super confident comment like, here we go again, and, and you know, he basically just made you feel like we're about to do this thing again, and he did it. But that, that's about as you – know, that's about as uh, – emotional or as demonstrative as I think you'll ever see Sam get. My favorite Sam stories, he told me one time during his 
the off season after his freshman year, he told me he missed several dates with his girlfriend because he was in the film room with you for so long and that he didn't mind. And the girlfriend didn't understand if she wasn't allowing him to miss some dates for some films. So uh, so that was funny. I know you haven't spent as much time with Matt, but I would ask a similar thing. What's, what do you kind of think of when you think of Matt Corral, the person or the player? What, what's the thing you would tell somebody that they need to know? So Matt is, uh, Matt wants to prepare. Matt's obsessed with the game. The difference I'd say with Matt is he, he wants to visibly lead all the time. And uh, he's, he's, he's so competitive in his own right. He, and he isn't going to be, you know, if, if he's down by 20, he's going to be pissed and, and he's going to be trying to work the guys on the sideline and he's going to be, you know, he can't wait to get back out there. He just wants another opportunity to get the football in his hands so he can go impact the game. And if he's up by 20, I think, you know, he's he's probably trying to maintain some focus so that there's there's no letdown. I mean, he's you just can see what he feels and what he's thinking based on how emotional he is. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, he is just a much more demonstrative leader. They just have two very different ways of of, of expressing those things. Ultra competitive, though, and, and uh, you know, he, he cares as much as anybody. And he himself has an incredible arm. He can make any throw on the field. And, you know, I hope for both of their sakes that they both – finish runs a little differently than they did in college. And, and what I mean by that is I hope they just slide a little bit more in the NFL than they did, you know, in their college career. Yeah, I think uh, I think their toughness is definitely probably noted by NFL scouts, but I'm sure they want them to slide a little bit more. Before I let you go, we were talking earlier, you had two quarterbacks drafted one and two overall in the USFL draft, Shea Patterson, Jordan Tamahu. Um, you had Matt Corral and Sam Howell, your most two recent quarterbacks who are likely to go in the first or second round of this draft. Should we expect to be having a similar conversation with you in a year or two about your next UNC quarterback? Well, everything those four guys got, they earned on their own. But I would, uh, I'd be lying if I felt like I didn't think we had three guys in our room right now that at least have enough upside. If they progress and they're obsessed with the game, like some of these past quarterbacks, they're all talented enough to to do it. So it'll be fun to watch the three guys we have now as they develop themselves. And it would not surprise me at all if we were watching the three of them at some point. Well, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Jacoby, uh, Chriswell, Drake May, and Connor Harrell in their future. And Coach Longo, really appreciate the time today. And uh, good luck the rest of the offseason. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the time. That's all for the College Football Daily. Thanks to Phil Longer for joining the podcast. If you like what you heard, please take a minute to leave a review. Hope everyone enjoys the first round of the NFL Draft. Talk to y'all soon.